Hi, this is uh, Gospel Kennison. I want to say nine, but I've always been like a number behind, like for the last two or three of these. So I'm going to actually guess uh, ten, but I'm, I don't know, and does it really matter? They show up in the right order in your iTunes anyway, but uh, I, um, it's hard to have these things, um, these here podcasts, these uh, audio journals, when there's so much I can't talk about. There's a lot going on in my world that uh, for different reasons are just, you know, they will be revealed to those that give half a lick about it. But um, as of right now, just know that, that some changes are coming. Nothing that will affect you. So, you know, don't, don't care too much. But um, I, I just look forward to the day that I'm, I'm released to be able to share it. Because if you want to hear some passionate audio journals, that's the stuff. That's the stuff that uh, that'll get me going. But uh, what I decided to do is is tell a part two of my story, and because um, it's been like four or five of these since I've talked about my history. And reason one reason I've been putting it off is because I couldn't remember where I left off the last one. So I'm just gonna pick up at, at a generic area and just go from there because uh, I'm not real sure. I um. I had mentioned, I, I believe I had, that I grew up uh, pretty pretty poor on the north side of Jacksonville, Florida, with two sisters and a mom. And, um, you know, my, my real dad had left us when I was very young. Um, and, and everybody's got a different story about why. You know, mom says he was an alcoholic. Uh, the woman, you know, I would say he left for another woman. The woman that he left for says that my mom was mean and that he wasn't an alcoholic and, you know, that he was just manic depressive and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. All I know, all I know is that he left us. Uh, just like the girl in Jurassic Park. He left us. He left us. And um, he lived in the same city and never came and saw us and uh, I just remember a lot of charity people coming by Christmases holidays helping us out with food helping us out with Christmas and uh, I remember being a latchkey kid elementary school was right down the street so you know I don't know I, I can relate to the kids that I work with on a, on a level because my early childhood was spent in, in in not the inner city, but definitely an urban setting. You know, it, it, I don't know. I don't know. It, it definitely wasn't a great part of town. Uh, so, but, you know, in that time, we, we pretty much went to one church. And, and I got to say that church had an impact on me. Um, you know, looking back, there was a lot of stuff that was wonky about it. Um... You know, just those that are familiar with the name it, claim it concept that anything you claim, God will just give you. Like God's some sort of uh, slave. And and if you have enough faith, you won't get sick and, you know, all this stuff. And that if anything bad happens to you, it's because you have a lack of faith. That's the kind of church this was. It was it was faith to the point that faith was a God. And, you know, so that, that wasn't great. That wasn't a great thing. And, and, it, and it really 
came to a head when I was a little older, when I really started testing, you know, what I'd been taught and, and that teaching, which was the cornerstone of just about everything I'd heard, uh, fell flat. And it made me, you know, wonder, since that was the foundation, obviously it was everything else bull as well. Because the truth is, you know, God's not going to prosper us um, just because we have a good confession. Now, a good confession, meaning speaking positively, thinking positively, not not hanging around in the negative, That that's obviously, uh, you know, it's a good thing to have a good, quote-unquote, confession. But, you, you know, the power of your mind uh, is not enough to change, you know, the things... It's not enough to control your destiny. I'm sorry. Um, that just falls under what I would call the things under our control. We do the natural. We do the normal. And God does the supernatural. He does the supernormal. The things we can control, we take care of. The things we can't control, God takes care of. And that's where the phrase, you know, God helps those who help themselves. Which, which I don't like that phrase, but there is a truth behind it. Because God also does help people that don't help themselves. He does have mercy and grace, things we don't deserve and couldn't earn. Um, he does He does help us out. If we all got what we deserve, Lord, help us. But point being, the church was, was a community. It was a family. And eventually, uh, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. They, you know, they were there for us and all that. Um, it, it, it was hard growing up um, with no dad. Um, I grew up in a lot of fear. A lot of being afraid of of him coming to get us, for instance. Apparently, I don't know, at some point, my mother thought it would be a good idea to take all this stuff from his apartment and bring it back home as an attempt to get him into the house. And apparently he came back and got all this stuff and never even talked to us. I, I can't say I blame him. You know, it wasn't our fault, the kid's fault, but... I don't remember him coming back. I just remember that we went to church or something and came back and the door was open. And my mom said he broke in, which technically I guess he did break in because he, you know, didn't come in through the front door. But coming in to get your own stuff that somebody else stole, I don't know that it falls under the same category. It's a lot of drama, you know, as kids. Um, you know, I don't believe that he was a cold, stone cold alcoholic. I don't believe he was completely out of control of his actions and, you know, completely a mental case like somebody else would have me believe. Uh, I believe the truth is somewhere in the middle that, that you know, he was in his heart a good guy. I have to believe that because I know a lot of him is in me and in my sisters. Uh, but I just think life happened to him. He was probably a bit self-centered as just about everybody in this planet tends to be when their life stinks and uh, I think he was easily manipulated and um, he was a runner apparently not not on the side of the road for exercise but somebody that just liked to leave and I know that because I at, at my core without the grace of God would be a, a fleer a person who leaves difficult situations who just checks out it's hard. It's hard to stay when the pressure gets gets high. But, um, so yeah, it was hard. I don't know how divorce was back then, if it was popular or whatever. I do remember being made fun of for not having a dad. By, you know, preschool kids, first grade, second grade, whatever. 
I remember being made fun of for having uh, hand-me-down clothes, um, you know, cruddy clothes from from Goodwill and and whatever, whatever. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I get I get an I get an impression that my neighborhood was pretty diverse economically, or that we because we were being supported by uh, my my real dad's finances. Um, we're maybe in a in a neighborhood that was a little above what we were currently living at, you know. So poor kid in a in a middle class neighborhood, maybe. I just remember everybody. All my friends had great toys, and Smurf glasses, and all that good stuff. My um, I don't want to get bogged down in in my elementary school, but uh, eventually my mother started hanging around this guy, and. Um, he was supposed to be a, a, you know, or wanted to be a preacher someday. And uh, I, I just, I latched on to him because I guess I was in such a, of a need of a father figure that, that I did. I latched right on to him, hung around him, annoyed the crap out of him. Um, and he, he came by more and more and more. Started having Bible studies over at my house. Um, and long story short, my, him and my mom went out for a date, and on their first date, at least I thought at the time, uh, they came back talking about they're getting married. And so that's exactly what they did. They got married. And something weird happened the moment they got married. John wasn't nice anymore. He was, he was a butt. We, um, after they came back from their honeymoon, we used to spend time at some property that he had in Florida, three and a half acres, half of it cleared. He had a couple of campers out there that he, in a bunkhouse type thing and a shed that he'd built. And we'd just go out there and, and, uh, camp out kind of, you know, and just hang out on the weekends. It was pretty fun. But that first night as a family, as a new family, you know, he had not spent much time around us at all. But that first night, we're, me and my two sisters are um, sleeping in one of the campers. And my little sister starts screaming, as she typically did, whenever we were torturing her. And she's screaming, screaming, screaming. And we go to tell on her or something. And John comes popping out of the other camper trailer, runs in and just, you know, we, of course, run away. <laughs> he's got a belt and he just starts hitting us all it's hitting us all again and again and again and um, that's when I realized things weren't going to be as magical as I was always hoping they would be see I had I had created this idea of what a mayor what a family would look like and I based it off of insurance commercials you know and things where all the happy people are sitting on a blanket in a park and just having a dad somehow magically made all the bad stuff go away. And uh, that night, I realized that wasn't the case. And for the next eight years or nine years or whatever it was, um, life, life pretty much sucked big time. Um, he was horribly mean, um, very critical very judgmental, had nicknames for me, like, uh, 
Sissy was one of them. The other one was uh, he would he would I don't know I was I was a pretty smart kid thinking back I didn't feel like it at the time because anytime I would do anything smart I came off feeling stupid because he would say you and that scientific mind you and that scientific mind and looking back as an adult he was intimidated but as a child I I felt like being smart obviously was making people uncomfortable so stupid 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 you know I, I don't remember any specific times when he said that it's just kind of an, a concept of of like working on a lawnmower and and he can't figure it out and then I look at something and something just clicks in my head and it makes sense and I point it out and he feels stupid and so he says the scientific mind comment and and I've always been that way nowadays you know I can just I can look at things and just figure out how they work I mean unless it's like circuit board crap but if it's a toy that needs to be rebuilt or a lawnmower that needs to be put back together and taken apart um, if it's some sort of issue with a house I just know how to fix it I can look at it and tell if, if I need to build something for children's ministry or a podium or a piece of furniture I can just break it down in my mind and I know all the parts that I'm gonna need and you know that's just something that that's the way my mind works and I've learned to appreciate that and realize that, you know, it's not super uncommon, but not everybody can do that. My wife can't. She thinks it's awesome. Saves her a lot of money. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I learned to put that part of me away because it was bugging people, bugging him. I got hives, um, itchy bumps on my elbows of all places, and, um, and wet the bed <laughs> as a child. Uh, it's all nerves. Just totally nerves. Um, but uh, hives so bad, I would I would take a hairbrush and just start scrubbing it on my elbows until they bled because I'd get nervous. See, John was an ex-Marine. And anybody out there that's listening to this and had a Marine for a dad, even the nicest Marine dad, I have to imagine, is real big on two things, discipline and order. And responsibility, so three things, um, and maybe just two: responsibility and, and discipline. To the point that I remember one time, um, the most ridiculous time in my life that I, this came up was when my sister had borrowed my raincoat, put it back on my bed, and I got in trouble for it because even though I didn't know she'd borrowed it or put it back, it was my responsibility to have that thing up off the bed and hung up properly. And, um, but he was just very, also very inconsistent in his discipline to the point that if he was in a good mood, you could get away with just about anything. Bad mood, you'd get in trouble for kicking a basketball. And I may have said some of this in the first one, but in context, it bears repeating. He, he, you just, that's where the hives came from, I think, is because I dreaded him coming home at six or seven o'clock at night because you could have everything in order everything perfect and you could still get in trouble for something you didn't even know was out of place or wrong it was just according to whatever he was had decided about it at that moment there was no way to predict what his behavior was going to be and whether you were going to get away with a spanking and and when i say spanking i'm talking about spanking so bad that you know red marks that's a joke i mean it was just it was ridiculous um Spanking like 10, 11, 12 licks. 
you know? Whereas before, my mom would give me, like, three, and you'd cry just because she did it, not because it hurt, you know? And you learned your lesson. This guy was old school, I suppose. One time he hit me so hard, and I don't even remember what it was about, but I literally crawled around on the floor for three days because I couldn't stand upright because my skin was so swollen it hurt it bunched together it was my back my legs my rear and the thing is you know you don't know that you're being abused you just don't know you're homeschooled see homeschool that's why I don't I'm not crazy about homeschool and you're living on three and a half acres in in Florida by that time we'd moved out there into some trailers and uh you don't know. You think you deserve it. And so you add that to the big list of things that you suck about, that that you just suck. You're the worst kid in the world. You deserve it. It's just what it is. You know, when you don't know any different, it's just what you... Kids are resilient that way. But what happens is the way they survive is they kill part of their soul and their personality and they hide it away. I'm not against corporal punishment for kids. It is a great time saver. <laughs> but done properly and and in love it can save a child a lot of heartache done improperly and with anger and with a desire to just get the stupid kid in shape so you can live your self-centered life yeah it's going to do some damage it's got to be consistent it's got to be fair it's got to be out of love it's got to be explained it's got to be done um, you know just properly properly and in order uh, I could go on all day, but uh, that ends the you know this this segment I suppose. Um, I guess I'm going to talk next time about homeschooling and uh, the transition back into junior high and all that good stuff. So um, until next time, thank you. If there's a GOK for today, it's this. Don't feel sorry for me. <laughs> I ain't doing all this to feel, make anybody feel sorry for me. Be inspired. Because I truly believe that life is 10% what happens to you, 90% what you do with it, and that God literally can turn everything around for good because everything I went through had a purpose. And God didn't allow it to happen. I was dealing with the consequences of other people's bad behavior and bad choices. These people, in many cases, were younger than I am now, and I still don't know what I'm doing with my life. But see, some people take this stuff that happens to them and instead of using it, they get used by it. And what I've decided to do is not be a statistic. And I, that's why Jen and I dated for four years before we got married. I wanted to make sure we were going to be together and, and, and get all our crap worked out before we had to get married. And then after we got married, we waited eight years to have kids, which was probably a little too long. But I wanted to make sure I could be a husband before I had to learn to be a father. I wanted to make sure we were going to stay together through thick and thin before I brought kids into it. And now that we have children, I didn't know how to be a father, but I knew that I had to stay. Just stay. If nothing else, just stay. But more about all that later. Uh, God bless you guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, peace out. Email me your feedback, comments, whatever you want to do. I'll read everything you send me. Send it to um, nobody's listening to us at gmail.com. Oh, no, no, no. Send it to uh, james at nlcast.com. I got a new email address. Peace out.